and welcome back to another episode of Acting with Asha. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited about this guest. Seriously, I'm ready to re-listen to this interview because there are so many useful nuggets and actors do make sure you listen to part one and part two, listen to the entire thing and probably more than once. So I'm going to introduce my guest. He has been known for so many different roles, including General Hospital. I mean, there's over 70 on IMDb here that I've had to choose from, but General Hospital, Frontier, Channel Zero, but most famous he played Ezekiel in The Boys and Toffer Brooks in Tiny Pretty Things. It is the legendary Sean Benson. Yeah. Hello, Sean. Welcome. Very happy Thank to have you. you here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I have so many questions for you. And the yes. trouble I've had <laughs> is which one do I go with? So um, I'm going to start from the beginning like I always do. Okay. And ask you, where did you grow up? I grew up in Guelph, Ontario, which uh, for anyone who's not from Canada, Ontario is like a state or I don't know how you have them in, in England. What are they in England? What are, what are your regions? Regions, Counties? Yeah. Counties? Yeah. Kind of both, Maybe. yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So that's about an hour west of Toronto and uh, about 100,000 people. Uh, pretty great town to grow up in. When I would go back and visit my parents as an adult, I'm like, wow, they really picked a great spot because I had some perspective then. And one of the things I loved about it is it was uh, like in the 80s, Guelph was the world leader in recycling, like fully the world leader in recycling. And it had this whole um, almost hippie green vibe. And then it also had the highest number of per capita factory workers in Canada. So you had this great blend. I don't love the term blue collar, but a blue collar and not just white collar, but it was a university town, but like white progressive. So it was a very cool place to grow up that way. Amazing. And do you come from a family of performers or? No, both my parents are professors. Um, My dad has a vibe, like he almost look. he's got that Christopher Plummer, Richard Burton kind of vibe look. And he did do a bunch of theater when he was younger and he wrote plays as a, either pre his university time or as an adjunct. And so there was definitely, and even my mom, I mean, German expressionist drama was one of her, I'm not sure, I believe that was her PhD or her master's. So there was always that in the house, their absolute love of theater, of great film. It, it just sort of oozed uh, throughout, and they were both from Europe. So there was this all world European love of arts. Oh, wow. And was there yeah. any, any indication when you were very young that you could become an actor? Pretty much out of the gate. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time, but basically from the earliest photos, I'm dressing up, I'm dressing up in all my mom's clothes, all my dad's clothes, all my brother's clothes. Everything was play. Everything was play and voices and skits. And, uh, and it was all just a big, exciting goof. Um, the flip side, and I, I, I took piano at age five and I loved the performing of the pieces more than the playing of the pieces. Mm. And then when I shifted into ballet at age nine, uh, that was really when I kind of knew that this was a thing that was a potential, but I was also hyper into school, like love, love, loved school and math and physics and science. And I, because I didn't need to pick, I would just at in the day do all the school stuff. And then at night go do the dance or the piano or whatever. So it was always, it was kind of a glorious time, you know, when the world's really small and you just get to be all things in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was actually going to ask you if you did ballet, but that was a question for later on. <laughs> all right. Well, OK, so yeah. a fun story. When I was five, my mom comes in to tuck me in and says, it's time for you to start taking a lesson. Do you want to take ballet or piano? And 
I later found out she was doing that as a non-choice choice because her assumption was I would never take ballet. So it was her way to get me to think I was choosing piano while basically telling me I'm taking piano. So it was about four or five years later where we had this teacher in school who did a choreography group. And it was the, we literally danced to Eye of the Tiger and New York, New York. Like it was top hats in a mall, not really awesome dance, but I was, I was hooked. And I went home that night and I was like, mom, can I take ballet now? And she sort of looked at me like, what? Like that was a, a goof. You don't have to. And I was like, no, no, no. And it started 10 years of dance. Uh, and I fully attribute that to why I'm an actor. Really? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, jumping forward a bit when I was at university doing um, my biochem, I did a dance show in my first year with this incredible New York choreographer from a company called Momix named Rebecca Sten. And we created pieces together to Tom Waits music with other performers. And on the closing night, she put cards and all her, and it was one of the, to this day, it's one of the best things I've been a part of. It was a incredibly pro production at a university when most university productions, you know, they, they have a bit of funding through their mm -hmm. clubs, but effectively it's like, high school plus versions of Gilbert and Sullivan or one flew over the cuckoo's nest or whatever. But this was holy shit. And um, I remember she, she wrote me this card and I've since thanked her and, and we've connected where she just said, you know, creating with you has actually been one of my highlights of this. And if you wanted a career on stage, you could have one, you have what it takes. And I was like, Oh, that's nice. And then I kind of did a dick thing where I went and read the cards of the other performers just to see if she was being nice and those cards were like, had a lot of fun having beer with you, see you around. Like, and I went, oh shit. Um, it didn't, it was about a year and a half later where I truly pivoted, but it was, uh, it was a seed that was planted that night. Like, oh, I can actually do this. And I would be very happy. So when you came out of school, was that something you went straight to or did you start going down another road? Um, well, I left school to do that. So I was in a oh. four year biochem program and my mom being German, I had actually decided I was going to do my fourth year in Heidelberg as an exchange. And then that would lead to a fifth year because my German isn't perfect enough. I would need to add courses that would then extend my four year to a five year degree. So uh, do you know who Colm Fiore is? No. Okay. He's uh, uh, I think he's definitely one of Canada's best, maybe Canada's best actor. That's it's a oh, really wow. hard thing to say because, you know, Catherine O'Hara is like equally good in another way. But in any case, uh, he was doing Taming of the Shrew at Stratford in my beginning of my third year. So I'm in, I've still got three, two and a half years of school. What age is this? Just so uh, I know. 20. Okay, 20. 20. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So for people who aren't from Canada, it's high school for me ended. I finished at 18 and then started university, which would be the equivalent to a college in the U.S. for the most part. Uh, here, colleges for us are like technical schools, more professional programs. So in any case, uh, I go to see this play at Stratford, our big festival, and uh, he's doing uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. And I wept, wept, wept at his performance, but also looked at the guys behind him playing all the other characters. And even with just my university players club level of acting, I just thought, I feel like I'm already as good as them. I feel like I can do that. Like, and it was that day where I went home and just, you know, called my mom who had been helping me with the German thing and my dad. And I was like, I don't, I, I'm going to not do biochem anymore. I'm going to go to theater school. And they were super supportive. They didn't give a shit. They, you know, 
they just liked that I was happy and, and had a path. Um, I did finish out my degree. So I turned my four year into a three year but no, I'd already like, I was basically getting straight A's until that day. And then it just kind of, and I remember going to the Dean at the chemistry club and or the chemistry building and going, listen, I, I, I want to know what I can do to get a three year. And he looks at my stuff and he goes, you, you're not leaving. You can't leave. He's like, you, you, and I said, I get it. I get it. I, I, I'm just, and he asked me why he said, what are you doing? Like, I have to counsel you to stay. And I told him, and he, I swear to God, after five minutes, he just looked at me and went, yeah, we're definitely getting you out of here. You found what you want. So few people get that. It was a really mm -hmm. beautiful thing, you know? Um, I mean, I grew up with profs, so I have a love for them. But to have a professor look at you and go, I hear you, young man, go forth. I mean, I didn't have any great love or dislike for this man, but he understood that, yeah, when you're 21 and you find your path, you know, the most frustrated people I know just happen to have not found their path. To fail on your path is one thing. To not find one is truly frustrating. Mm -hmm. So I feel pretty lucky that way, even though I've been batted around a lot in the time since that decision. So so you went to theatre school then, did you? I did, yeah. So I went to a place called George Brown, which is um, full-on classical repertory theatre training program where we just dug into the history of theater, all the classics, you know, we spent three months just working on Elizabethan era drama doing Christopher Marlowe. And we all thought we were cool calling him Christopher Marley, you know, the way they used to and all that. Like we really dug in the way theater schools do. Um, I have such a love and hate for that time. Uh, I dropped out after two years. Oh, really? Based, well, yeah. A three-year course then? It was a three-year course. Yeah. And so... I remember about a month or two in we'd done, we done, you do a lot of work right when you get to school so they can sort of figure out what they're dealing with the instructors and the head of acting calls me and he goes, there's not a role you can't play. Everything in the canon is available to you. You're as fine an actor as walked into our halls. So I was like, great, thanks. You weren't allowed to train anywhere else. You're there six days a week, eight hours a day. It's one of these places. And by the end of second year, they're like, you can't act. You don't know what acting is. You lack all the skill. Like, and I remember just kind of being like, I fucking have only been here. Either I know they weren't lying in that first period. And I know that's a, an unformed version of what they were complimenting. But, you know, and finally I ran into one of the teachers as I was very depressed about this. And they weren't totally wrong. Like my work wasn't very good. And then she just said, oh, Sean, you don't see what we see, but we just don't have, no one at that school knows how to teach you. No one knows how to, you've got all the skills, but it's not happening and no one knows how to unlock that. Um, so yeah, I, when I ran into her, I was like, oh my God, Kate, thank you. And I dropped out that day. Uh, they're like, no, we've, we've, you'll, you'll fully do the four plays next year with good roles like everyone else. And I was like, I know. And then, you know, side note, I did learn a lot there because I did jump right into Toronto professional theater. And in the year that they were doing the plays, I ended up doing five main stage plays in Toronto. Um, so I, even though I hadn't coalesced in a way, although I, there's a bit of a story about that, that I hope would be useful to any actors listening, but, um, but I had learned enough that I was ready to go and like do pretty good work here in Toronto. Um, and this could be a whole conversation. Like, we're talking collective theater where we'd literally start with a concept 
with one of the finest old school directors in Toronto and literally be in a rehearsal space for three weeks with no script, no play, just looking at each other and riffing to create a story about farming in the fifties and the transition that was undergone based on a Robert Frost poem. And then you take a month break, come do it again, take a month break, mount the show, like glorious shit. And then go live in a farmhouse while you're doing this play for farming communities. That's but incredible. That, yeah, but that also ticks all the Toronto amazing theater yeah. boxes, like, and also Shakespeare. Like, this is the kind of theater I was getting to do. But the quick story is I was, um, I was rehearsing the first main stage play I got to do. Mm-hmm. It, it was two plays in repertory, and I was playing this real asshole, and I'm on the phone doing this thing, and the director's like, stop being so fucking neutral, Sean. Like, stop being so neutral, and just kept pushing me because there was this neutrality I'd fallen into. And I looked up at her, and I just was like, fuck you, you fucking bitch, this and that. I whipped the prop and she goes, thank you, go. And that day I ceased to be, I'm always a student of acting, but I ceased to study acting and I started just acting. And that for me is a huge thing. And like, if anybody's listening, who's at theater school, even though you're under the umbrella of studying acting, just act, just act. Because once we study it, once I studied it, I really fell into that trap of, Everything was to be sort of evaluated and part of theoretical. But that day in that rehearsal space where we were opening in a week and I couldn't get near who the guy was, it was only by freaking out that I could be the guy. And then we could actually hone that into a performance. And as long as I was being a good student, none of that ever would have happened. I love that. I love that. I love everything you're saying. I can really feel like the passion you have. It's incredible. And well, Yeah. And I also think this is... a I, you, I think you have to risk something Mm. for it to be worthwhile. You know, I was playing a guy in this one play who was, um, who beat a gay guy to death, like was a total homophobe. And we were rehearsing and down the hall from where we were rehearsing, the the director was um, lesbian and we were down from the LGBTQ center. I don't think it was called that then, but that's what it was. Mm. And I just, this was pre-Borat, pre-Ali G. And I just walked in and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I, are we here this week? She goes, we're here for our whole rehearsal process. I'm like, I don't think I can do this play. The director's like, why? And I said, it's all the gay shit down the hall. And she goes, what? And I said, I, I don't really want to rehearse near all them. And I'm, my heart is pounding through my chest. And she just looks at me and goes, well, then maybe you should fuck off, Sean, because I'm gay. And I just said, what? Why didn't you? And so we get into it and then I'm like, so I'm fucking with you. Right. And she goes, thought you might be not bad, not bad. And the, the other cast are just sitting on the ground going, what the fuck just happened? Now I'm not sure that was a good idea. I don't know, but I know that I had to try in a real world setting mm. to be a guy who was willing to look at someone who was gay and tell them I didn't agree with who they were as a human fundamentally because otherwise I'd just be acting the whole time. And I never approximated that heartbeat on stage because doing it in the real world in real time, that director and I are friends to this day, by the way. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. I'm really interested. What would you say you've got a style of acting? Do you fall into a box or, you know, Uh, I think I I honestly, if I'm being dead honest, I think I wish I did more. Um, I, I think my range is, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing for acting. It's a curse for career. Because mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s, I was seen as um, 
very much like a young professional with a bit of edge. Mm. Uh, but then what would happen is I'd book this procedural work, law series or doctor roles and stuff. And it wasn't quite my motor, you know, leads and series are also a blessing and a curse because you watch anything procedural and, you know, it's pretty pieced together in a way that's really pleasing for the audience. And there's not a lot of expansive work to be done there. Mm. That's not totally true. And I wish I could talk to my young self and go, there's so much more here than you think. There's so much more nuance in these moments. And that's one thing I had to learn coming from theater where you could really do what I'm talking about, where you could break open and fight with your directors and like, it was glorious. And then your plays five stars and everybody's like, we did it. And you're, you're carving out against each other and sharpening each other's tool on each other in the collaborative process. And um, then when I got to TV and it was much more of a producer's medium, right? The idea is that films, directors, theaters, actors, and TV's a yeah. producer's medium. And so what would happen is I didn't really understand that me standing and looking at you across the space that's being filmed and just saying, I'm so sorry I missed dinner last night. I had that thing. And you kind of hold in the feel of like, it can't happen again, or I'm asking you to move out. That's as beautiful as any monologue from Hamlet, if you let it be. Mm. But if you judge it, or if I ju- I did judge it, and look at what... It wasn't totally my fault. I mean, theater school teachers are telling us that TV is not noble. I dropped out of a Shakespeare play that hadn't started rehearsing to do my first TV series. And the artistic director is yelling at me that I'm fucking my career, that I'm wasting my best years on bullshit work. And so I'm kind of going into this first TV series that I wanted to like celebrate. Like I finally got to a place I've been striving for for years. Yeah. I had this internal sense of not just, not really guilt, but like, did I make the wrong choice? And I wish I could go back to that kid and go, there is no right or wrong choice. You could have done the play or you do this. It doesn't matter. Your career will unfold as it does. Um, And so I'm glad I took that role, but I'm not glad that I had that overhanging uh, judgment is kind of the right word, but sort of Paul of, oh, theater's more noble and these scenes aren't as full as they could be. Because I've long since learned that it's the moments, not the scenes that matter for me. So if you ask me if I have a style of acting, it's moment to moment. Amazing. And that's where the range comes from. That's why, you know, you want to play the gay preacher, no problem. You want to play the head of the biker gang, no problem. You want to play the guy who's charming but kills women in his basement, no problem. Takes work yeah. and it costs. Um, but the moment to moment is why it'll never actually matter what the role is because the moments are all human and translatable. And then you add the costume of a big beard or dyed hair or a shaved head. And all of a sudden you walk a little different, talk a little different, but it's still just me inhabiting a moment. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, that would be the only thing I could point to stylistically is that every moment matters and therefore all the other stuff. And this was a real revelation for me and a freedom was the story's already written and being told. So I don't need to tell the story during my scenes. I can't betray the story, but I don't need to tell the story. I just need to behave moment to moment and then enter the room, get the pen and leave. Cause that's the story point. 
And once I understood that, acting got way more fun. And I let the editors craft my performance instead of trying every take to craft my performance. And it got really freeing. And I think the work got better. I feel like you're just giving me a masterclass, like a priceless acting masterclass right now. Well, I hope it helps because it's really true. Like actors get taught they need to guard their performances so often, or at least I did through the theater world. And yeah, you do have to self-direct a little bit, but once I nail a moment, look, all the great guitarists, generally speaking, I'll use David Gilmore from Pink Floyd as an example. He would record six or seven solos improvisationally and then listen back and mock up the solo we hear from those seven takes. He's editing all those, you know, any top 10 list has him as top three guitarists of the world. He never played those solos that way on the record. Mm. He then had to go relearn how to play those solos for the live performance because they were, um, I'm, I'm missing the word, but cut together. And so I, I looked at that. I went, well, if that's good enough for him, it's good enough for me to go have a great take with you and then not try and recapture anything. And then when the director walks up and goes, hey, Sean, really great off the top. Is there any way you can get a little like shittier at the end? Like, you know, I think you'd be more mad there. What I used to do is have to defend that. And it was for two reasons. One was I wasn't sure I could do it. I was afraid. I'd been told I was a bad actor enough that I wasn't sure I could be a good actor. And the other was um, I was worried that that would affect the choices I'd made. But I haven't made a choice as an actor in a decade other than the first moment. The first moment of a scene, you can make a choice about. Everything else is in the moment. And not every actor works that way. Not every actor should. But I that generates my motor. And the motor is the thing that's going to be worth watching for an audience. And so once I opened that up for myself through what's effectively Meisner technique, uh, I was like, oh, well, now this is everything I thought it could be when I started doing it as a five-year-old playing. So I want to ask you, do you have, when you get a character or you're preparing for a new role, do you have, how do you approach a character? Do you have a set way of approaching a character or is it just, you know, all the prep work you do or is it just, it depends on each role? Does it change? Well, it really does depend. So let me give two examples. One would be the boys yeah. uh, where I played this preacher. So the fact that, uh, spoiler season one, the fact that the preacher's, you know, gay and being blackmailed, because that's actually the plot point that moves the boy's story forward for the character of Huey, that doesn't mean anything. Who cares? Make out with a girl, make out with a guy. Point is he gets blackmailed. So that has to be a moment of I am falling. Great, I can't prepare, I am falling. I know what falling feels like as a human. Mm. So great, so that's covered. So then I start to look at the guy and you know, we'd all agreed that he was going to have the bleach blonde hair, which was something that I which went I into love, the, by the way. Thanks. I went into the audition with it because I had been okay. Fun story here, and this is again something for uh, for actors. I hope to take away. I went in to do a Killjoys, the sci-fi show, and I'm playing this character called the Hunter. And I had an impulse towards something, and then I was like, ah, I don't know about homages, blah blah blah. And then I started to see the wardrobe they're talking about, and I just I called the director and said, I'm like, hey, listen. What do you think of doing a Blade Runner Roy Batty vibe on this guy? And he just goes, are you fucking kidding me? And he opens his book and he's got Roy Batty written down. And I was like, okay, so we got to do the hair then, right? He goes, let's do the hair. So we go and we we do that. So then I auditioned for that, the boys, and um, they so ended up... 
do you already know the director on the boys then before I didn't. I had read for the character oh, okay. Frenchie, and they'd liked my work, um, the what the part that Tomer got, and uh, but it never, you know, I didn't get it obviously. And then mm-hmm. when we came back for the other part, so then here here's a bit of the point of the story is that I kind of know that all the dramatic beats that I have in my audition scenes, they're not real hard for Sean because I know what those things are like. Yeah. Do I know what it's like to be blackmailed because you're running a multi-conglomerate that's basically trafficking in like a hidden substance? No. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but I know what it's like to have somebody put my back against the wall and make me have to agree to what they're saying or they won't let me off the hook. Mm. That I know, like that's in my body through a lifetime of life. So at that point, I'm like, great, don't need to worry about that. That can happen moment to moment in the audition. So when the reader looks at me and goes whatever, you know, uh, you fuck me at the club and I need you to do this thing for me. All I have to do is let it happen. And in my experience, the more I do, the less I'm allowing. This is also a big thing for me with like Mm -hmm. dating and friendships is I have to allow more and do less. And so as an actor, it's the same. But I did have to nail the preacher. I'm sorry to do this to you guys, but that is the end of part one. But no fear, you can go straight on to part two now, where Sean continues to tell us about his role as Ezekiel and then just goes on to too many other magic pieces of gold dust. Do not miss the next part. Enjoy! Thank you for listening to another episode of Acting with Asher. For any questions, please get in touch with us at www.jadeashervoiceovers.com. Jade is also the author of Actorpreneur. To find out more information about Actorpreneur or buy yourself a copy, visit www.actorpreneurbook.com. And don't forget to subscribe or follow us at Jade Asher. Thanks again. Bye.